My, that looks good out there. It's such a pleasure to be here. Vivian is along with me today, and we're always glad to come home. Smile. Smile. Now you smile. If you're on Facebook and want to be my friend, see me about that. <laughs> Just look me up and uh, we'd love to have a lot of friends from the Kalkaska Church. It is such a pleasure to be here today. You know, I was pleased when Andy contacted me to ask if I'd be a part of this transition celebration today. Dan and Sherry Johnson have been our dear friends. Hi, David. How are you, buddy? Is this someone that I should meet over here? What's your name? Hi, I'm Lee. It's nice to meet you. And uh, the whole Johnson family are such precious friends, been friends for a good long time. And uh, it's a pleasure to be here today in this transition uh, celebration. Uh, when, uh, when Andy called... He uh, he asked me if I would uh, preach a, a sermon in the middle of a series. That's a hard assignment. Because you don't know what's been said before. I did. I went back to the recording of, of your sermon's excellent sermon last week. And so I've got some bearing on it. But they actually say that to be a guest speaker and preach a sermon in the middle of a series is one of the three hardest things to do in the whole wide world. They say the first one is to climb a fence leaning towards you. I didn't make it up. I'm just quoting here. The second hardest thing is to kiss a girl leaning away from you. <laughs> and the three hardest thing is to preach a sermon as a guest speaker in the middle of a series. I have never tried to climb a fence leaning toward me. But I do confess to you that on numerous occasions, I have tried and succeeded with much enthusiasm and some measurable success in preaching a sermon in the middle of a series <laughs> as a guest speaker. You know, when people say, Lee, well, how did you become... A minister. How did, how did you feel called to the ministry? I tell them that there are four elements in my life that have been a part of that call. One is God's call on my life. Another is a good Christian mom and dad who raised me to follow Jesus. Another is a whole lot of weeks at Christian service camp. It was Rock Lake in those days. And the third is the nurture and encouragement and the springboard that the church gave me at the Kalkaska Church of Christ. And I am forever ever thankful. At our children's home, if you come to visit, and you know, we would love to have you come and visit. Sometimes uh, people will ask our kids questions. They love to show them their rooms and show them all around, tell them about themselves. And they, they will ask them about being at the children's home. And they'll refer to it as home. And then they'll talk about their family. 
And many of them don't have a lot of family left. They'll call that home, home. Home, home. You know what? This is home, home, my friends. Thank you. In listening to Andy's sermon, I found that we had the same definition of a parable. I'll bet you didn't get the definition from where I got the definition, did you? Not an old film strip. We've come a long ways from film strips, even while you were growing up. Do you remember the definition that he gave you? A parable is an earthly story? Well, come on. A parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. Well, that's what it is. And most suppose that it is in a story form so that it's easy to understand. But in fact, Jesus tells us that that was not the purpose of the parable at all. It was to demonstrate a deep truth of God that would be discerned by those who are attentive and would fly straight over the heads of the people who didn't care. And that's what the sermon was about last week. It was a story of the various kinds of soil and how the seed, the word of God, was sown and how it sprung up and how for some it was, uh, it was fruitful. And for many others, it fell on various kinds of unproductive soil. And then when Jesus meets afterwards with his followers... Um, he explains it to them, describes the different kinds of soil, and they're still kind of scratching their heads. And he, he says this. I think I got my... Here it is. Hey. Then Jesus said, He who has ears, let him hear. And when he was alone, the twelve and others around him asked him about the parables, and he told them the secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you. But to those on the outside, everything is in parables, so that they will be ever seeing but never perceiving. Whoa. And ever hearing and never understanding. Otherwise, they might turn and be forgiven. That sounds pretty harsh. And for our theme of breathe it in, let it out, It doesn't seem that he wants them to let it out on everybody, at least on this occasion. But I want you to remember the type of crowd that followed Jesus everywhere he went. Some stayed with him because they were hungry and wanted to be fed. Others wanted them to bless their little children. Others sought after the deep truths of the kingdom of heaven. And there were also the Pharisees. The ones who followed him to mock him, to pose impossible questions to answer, to ask for a sign, to chide him to produce a miracle so that they could mock him some more. And for each of those, Jesus had some colorful descriptions of who and what they were. And he told them where they were headed for. And his reply was always a little obscure. And I think he was talking about these people. It's also a prophecy from the Old Testament. 
that there would be those who would hear and not understand. Never understand. And then he goes on to say to his disciples, Don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? You know, you hear him saying, Guys, this is an easy one. You ought to be able to catch on to this. What are we going to do when we get to the hard stuff? And so, we come to our text for today. Where Jesus said to them, that is, his disciples, Do you bring in a lamp and put it under a bowl or a bed? Of course not. Don't you put it on a stand? For whatever is hidden is meant to be disclosed. And whatever is concealed is meant to be brought out into the open. If anyone has ears ears to hear, let him hear. You know, our son Jeremy, our, our two children, and, and we just had a granddaughter, uh, Mary, uh, a week ago. Our son Jeremy... Uh, goes to the uh, older adult Sunday school class. And he made that choice not long ago, and he, he told me why. He says, Dad, the younger people in class listen to reply. The older people listen to understand. Wow. I think I ought to change my listening habits. How about you? And then, after saying that, that everything that is hidden is meant to be disclosed, put the lamp on the stand, don't hide it. He says, consider carefully what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you and even more. These are stewardship terms. Something I discovered later in life than I ought to have discovered it. But I have finally discovered it, and I've tried to pass it on to the kids. Is keeping money isn't the only reason for making money. Isn't there a world out there that needs to understand that? Amass and and hoard and get and, you know, sharing what you've got is the reason for acquiring what you have. And so it is with the truth of the kingdom of heaven. That the reason for acquiring it, breathing it in, is to let it out. Is to let it out. Breathe it in. Let it out. Breathe it in. Let it out. Jesus is commissioning stewards of the kingdom of heaven. And not only on this day, as recorded in the book of Mark. But on this day, as we share this text together at the Kalkaska Church of Christ, Jesus is commissioning stewards of the kingdom of heaven, the keys to the kingdom. And so I say to you, breathe it in. Understand it. Breathe it in. Own it. Breathe it in. Comprehend it. Breathe it in. Know it. Breathe it in. Possess it. Breathe it in, let it own you. Breathe it in, live for it. Breathe it in, die for it. Dan and I were talking about this statement after first service, and he said, what about that, that comment that the Archbishop of Chicago, 
Francis George made some years ago. He died just a couple years ago, I think. Here's the quote. I expect to die in bed. My successor will die in prison. And his successor will die a martyr in the public square. Now, you've probably heard that before from Dan. Here's the follow-up to it. And we both discovered it together. His successor will pick up the shards of a ruined society and slowly help rebuild civilization as the church has done so often throughout human history. My friends, people are dying for the faith all over this world. Live for it. Be willing to die for it. And in the fullness of time, let it out. Breathe it in. Let it out. Breathe it in. Let it out. And all of you, my friends are stewards of the kingdom and the truth of the kingdom. And so am I. And so am I. And think about it. On the day of Pentecost, they let it out. You've been watching this series. Wow. Did you see the dramatization of the day of Pentecost? Wow. That's power. I was uh, seeing my eye doctor the other day. He's a good man. Hello. Um, I've always enjoyed talking with him. He's always asking about the children's home. He has one of the most courteous staffs in the whole world. And you know what? Without ever speaking of it together, his faith shines out of him. I knew he was a Christian man. And as we had a little time to talk this time, I said, Dr. Holicky, you're a Christian, aren't you? He said, yeah, I am. I said, it, shine, it shines out. It shows all of your staff, too. He says, those, those are my children. He says, they're Christians, too. I said, man, it just, it just comes out of your pores, buddy. He says, how could I suppress what lies as a burning coal in my heart? Does the faith lie as a burning coal in the depths of your heart and make it impossible to resist its expression? Man, that's contagious if we could bottle that. If you have a cold and have a cough, what do you do in public? What do you do? You go, (coughs) right? You know, I can't get used to that. I still go... (coughs) And then you think, man, I can't shake hands with anybody, right? And everybody around him says, doesn't he know? He's supposed to go. (coughs) Why do you do that? Because your breath is contagious. Dr. Holicke's breath, his spiritual breath, is contagious. I hope yours will be too. God is calling his disciples to be contagious for the kingdom. They have been given the secret and the deep truths of the kingdom of God. And now in the fullness of time, he tells us to let it out. To let it out. A little over a week ago, I had the honor of performing a a funeral for a dear friend. John and Dorothy Cooey were uh, 
members, church members, down the road at the Cedar Lake Church of Christ when we started at that little church in Corona. We were newly married, uh, students at Great Lakes Christian College, Bible College in those days. And we started out in this little church. We had an 8 by 40 house trailer. We made uh, about 50 bucks a week. Max Aldrich moved, uh, run an ex- ran an extension cord out from his barn to give us electricity. And we had two television sets. Sound worked on one, picture worked on the other. If you didn't change both of the stations precisely, it was really confusing. And for the longest time, I did think that Richard Nixon won the World Series. John and Dorothy Cooey were probably in their mid-40s, maybe 50s, when we came to town. And they were like another mom and dad. And we needed lots of them. I didn't know how that little church would have gotten along before we got there, but the truth was they got along just fine. And we needed lots of instruction along the way. John and Dorothy were such... Gracious people. And it seems to me that people who have truly experienced God's grace should be gracious themselves. And they taught us many things, but most of all they taught us kindness and love and appreciation for others. Well, over the years they had remained our friends, and now John had passed away. He'd been in the nursing home and Fairly unresponsive for some time, but still I would visit, and Dorothy would be there, and Vivian sometimes would visit with me. And after the funeral, I asked the family for permission to print this receipt letter. We send out a receipt letter every month. And they graciously, as predicted, consented to sharing this. I read the first two paragraphs. Last week, I had the honor of speaking in my dear friend's funeral. John was 94 years old, and I'd known John and Dorothy Cooey for half those years. Everyone needs someone like John and Dorothy in their lives, someone they can count on, someone to look up to, someone to admire. I'm thankful to have known John, and we ask God to bless Dorothy in the time ahead. Have you ever noticed people who truly know God's grace are gracious people? They are kind and gentle, and they prefer others before themselves. It was in keeping with John's values that the Woodburn Christian Children's Home would be included as one of the several ministries to receive gifts in his memory, and now those contributions will be used to provide a home for children in need. Will others recognize these traits in your life? When it's your time to pass on to your reward, will they say that was a gracious person? The faith that lived within them shined out of their lives. Wherever they went, God was made manifest and his truth was made known. There's a wonderful little book called In His Steps. It was written more than a hundred years ago by Charles Sheldon. Actually, it was published in, I think, 1896. And in this book, the, the story is told of Maxwell, uh, no, is Henry Maxwell was the minister's name, a first church in the town of Raymond, which was a railroad town somewhere in the Midwest. And the story is told of a, of a traveling man who came to town. And uh, throughout the week, he went to various members of the church, 
and asked them for some help and some work and things that he needed help. Each one had no time for it and refused. And on Sunday, he came to church and stood up before the church. And without being mean, he just said, I I came asking for help and no one helped me. As the story progresses, the man dies in a short time. He was quite ill. And it, it brought about a great soul searching by First Church. And the minister challenged the church out of this experience to live for one full year with this as their guiding principle. In each question of how to live their daily lives, they would ask the question of what would Jesus do? You've seen the bracelets, WWJD. I'm convinced that where that someone read that book and that's where those bracelets came from. But, but it preceded, that little phrase preceded this book by, by generations as well. What a concept to live our lives asking each, in each case along the, the way when we have business decisions, relationship decisions, this decision and that decision, what would Jesus do? If we can come to that, we can do what, what Christ has commissioned us to do, to be stewards of the kingdom as we breathe it in, as we, as, as we absorb the truth of the Word of God, to not forget to let it out. To let it out for everyone to see Jesus reflected in our lives too often. We use Jesus in another way, and I, I'm saying use Him now. There was a little song that I thought maybe I could find on the internet. It's back from the 70s, but I couldn't find it. But I pieced most of it together fairly faithfully in my head. It's called Everybody's Dressing Up Jesus. See if I've got it here. I think I've got it somewhere. Everybody's Dressing Up Jesus. He's anything that you want him to be. Everybody's dressing up Jesus now. He'll be anything that you want Him to be. Let Him keep His sandals, robe, and flowing hair. Then let's add some green and yellow beads. Remember, this is 60s, 70s. Cover up the calluses. Keep Him thin and fair. A little speech on love and peace is all we really need. Wow, don't we do that, folks? Is Jesus on our side? That's what we want to know. I'd rather be on His side. Generally speaking, it's gotten beyond that where it's God on our side, not just Jesus. And then we get into different beliefs and things. I'd rather be on his side. Where's Jesus? Whose side is he on? Where's Jesus? Wonder where he's gone. Would you really know him? If you looked at him straight on, can you take him as he is with the trimmings and trappings gone? Don't hurt yourselves now. Okay? You ready? Will you you try what I want you to do? Take a little breath. Don't let it out. Take another one. Don't let it out. Take another one. Don't let it out. Anybody want another breath? Let it out. That feel good? Whew. Breathe in deep. 
Let it out. Doesn't that feel good? Breathe it in. Let it out. Breathe it in. Let it out. Breathe it in. Let it out. Brothers and sisters, it's time. Let it out. Let it out. Another of the uh, precious guiding angels that God put in our path when we were young was Zeta May. That's a funny name. She lived in Waterloo. She was a shut-in. In the five and a half years that we ministered at that church, I don't recall she was ever able to come to church. But she was a spiritual giant. She was a prayer warrior. And every week I would visit in the little town of Waterloo in her home. She taught me some fairly simple things. One time I was visiting in her home on a, on a winter day. I was in a hurry and I stopped by and I said, you know, it's going to be a short visit today. And she said, Lee, take off your coat. I said, huh? She said, it doesn't matter if you stay a short time, but if you take off your coat, I feel like you've stayed for a while. Hey, I like that. Sometimes it's the little stuff, you know. She taught us. She taught us as Jesus taught the disciples. the unsearchable riches of the kingdom of God that had been a part of her life for so many years. She was a tall lady with piercing blue-gray eyes like my mom's eyes and large hands. And when I would come to the end of my visit, I would take her hand and pray. And when we were finished, she would always say, Lee, I feel power coming from your hands. Now, I don't know that there was anything particularly miraculous going on. But I'll tell you what, if power was flowing, it was flowing both ways. One day I visited Zedeme in the hospital. And this usual, very composed peaceful soul was agitated. She said, Lee, time's running out. I, uh, I'm sick and I'm, I'm tired. But I've got a nephew that I need to talk to. He's not a Christian. And that day I took her hand and I prayed as we always did. And I left. A couple of weeks later, I visited again in that same hospital. And uh, this time I took her hand and I prayed. And I talked about heaven, but I don't know if she heard me. See, she was fast asleep, waiting, waiting to go home to heaven. As I left that day, I thanked God. For the witness of the breath of her life in our lives. And the nurse met me at the door as I left the room and said, 
It's as if she's given up. She's peaceful now. And I said, yes, it's okay. But I didn't tell her the rest of the story. In the time in between those hospital stays, I had visited Zeta in her home. We'd talked about many things. She'd offered me some little knickknacks from her shelf. And when I released her hand at the end of the prayer, she held out her large hands. And she said, look, Lee, there's no blood on my hands. Zed had been reading Ezekiel, who says we're watchmen on the wall. Especially around the people that we love. And if we don't cry out the alarm and they die in their sin, we're responsible. God bless you, Zed. You did it well. May God give us the victory in living our lives for Him. Breathe it in, Kalkaska Church. Let it out. Breathe it in. Let it out. God bless you. It's a pleasure to be with you today. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Our Father in heaven, thank you for entrusting us with the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. We know that we're not worthy of receiving what you've entrusted to our care. And yet you have given us the responsibility of being the means by which the gospel is shared. Father, teach us your truth. Help us to inhale it, to possess it. Help us to understand it, to own it. To comprehend it, to know it, to let it own our very being, to live for it, even to die for it. But in the end, Father, help us to let it out, that the world around us might be saved. Bless us and give us success in what you have prepared us to do. In Jesus' name, amen.